0: Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And with us as always is Glenn Fitzgerald.
1: Yes, I am with you as always. I will always be with you. Wow. Wow. Wow, it's got,
0: got Faustian earlier than it normally does. With us as often is Jed Brewer.
2: I mean, I will generally be with you if you're listening to this show and I was on the episode. I, I can't really make any guarantees outside of those conditions
0: far more conditional commitment from Jed there and appearing occasionally recurring guest star Lee Younger.
3: I like the idea of Jed doing an undersell over deliver. Like he's, he says that right there, but like you turn around in your kitchen and he's standing there. Hi, hey, what's going on? <laughs> like
0: horror movie style. You close the medicine cabinet and he's in the and mirror he's right behind you. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Or like kind of a Twilight Zone podcast horror movie where you turn off this show and turn on other ones and Jed's on them as well. (laughs) Welcome to This American Life, starring Jed Brewer. Jed got an NPR. That's weird. Jed's on the Australian football show I listen to? He doesn't even like American sports. (laughs) Just eventually... You'll Never Escape It Weekly with Jed Brewer. I didn't even subscribe to that. What's happening? (laughs) I didn't even start this podcast. How am I listening to it? So that is, of course, a a dark, macabre journey, as we often take on the show. But another thing we often have to get into on the show is money-making opportunities. And for that, I must declare an emergency.
3: Really? Oh, an emergency? Is the money going into our
0: pockets? Well, we'll see. There may be some litigiousness on this one, because this is not an original idea. To us on the show, but this comes courtesy of a friend of the show, Charlie, who suggested to to Lee and I that there should be an app for people who are looking for churches mm. in the mode <laughs> of a dating app.
3: Wow. So you could just kind oh, of, wow. you
0: know, you put what your deal is, the church puts what their deal is, and you just kind of swipe until you find the right thing.
3: Okay, well, my, my brain immediately goes to one place, which is as i understand it there are different styles of these dating apps there there are you know certain kind of dating apps for you know the kind of person that you're actually looking for like a, a like a steady solid relationship kind of deal you actually want to match up with somebody you want to that you have a lot in common with or that you want to talk to and that kind of thing then there are other apps where you just you're really looking for something different and i wonder if that would factor into what style of church matching app are we looking for? Like if you're visiting a city that you're not going to live in, maybe you're looking for that second app. You're just going to, you're just look, is this, is this is, I, I'm only going to this church one time. So
1: you're talking about a hit it and quit it church. Situation.
0: <laughs> well, I think you're talking about, you want the, uh the FWB for fellowship with benefits. Oh, very mm. good. it's kind of, there's that. Well, I think there's also that, that really plays into this of, that's certainly one kind of setting, you know, where you can put in your thing, like I'm we're I'm just looking for, you know, some some encouragement, not really looking for a membership. And then, you know, whoever the church <laughs> right, has decides on right, that. Right. So yeah. I think these are the things we need we need to line out. We also, of course, need to need to come up with a name. Uh another friend of ours, uh, Brother Justin suggested some uh some like get to know you questions you could put on this app. Okay.
3: Mm. So
0: uh Let's see. What do we have here? How important is pyro to you in a worship service
1: mm. scale of one yeah. to 10?
0: And if they get to a 10, uh, it just deletes their app automatically.
1: There you go. <laughs>
0: How many <laughs> heavenly fathers do you feel should be allowed in one opening prayer? One to five.
3: Also, also the, also the, the phrase father, God, I yeah. think that, yeah, father uh, God, yeah.
0: These are definitely the kind of things just so you know what you're getting into. And, before we start doing more jokes, I legitimately can't believe this isn't a thing that exists already,
1: yeah, actually true well and i I know that this is this is wrong, but the whole time I've just been picturing the way that you you swipe your church that you're looking for is there's just a picture of the pastor in in sort of a provocative pose of some kind. <laughs> sure holding a fish you know, for no
0: reason as i understand is the right. style right?
1: yeah or sort of you know trying to to try and you know he's he's at the pulpit but he's trying to get sort of a smoldering look going Ooh. with it you know and be intriguing with himself there you know uh because uh i i think uh you know honestly i i this would have saved me from getting into a lot of Churches, if I could have just a, seen Pastor, you know, this is his best foot forward. That's a really good and, point. And you just, you just swipe him.
3: Well, it could be a thing too of like, you know, how many minutes can you listen to a sermon before you really need to tap out? Yeah. Sure. Sure.
1: Yeah. Just a 30 second sermon sample here and just, you know, I could tell in 30 seconds. <laughs> I promise you.
2: This is a true story. It's been many years ago now, but we were doing a, a small group at some kind of location, and they had a flyer from a nearby church, and it was a picture of the pastor of that church trying to look impressive with just the tagline, I want to be your pastor. Wow. Mm. That has more of a used car sales vibe than yeah. <laughs> really a dating vibe, really? It, it definitely, it had a vibe. It, it, there was a lot going on.
0: Well, I think another thing that would be worth pointing out, Jed, I believe there there's a church near you where you used to live, where it was, I think it was the the very, you may have heard discussed on the show before, the House of Corrections. Yes, that's right. Where it also listed, like, just one guy, but it gave him, like, eight different titles.
2: Uh, he was, if I recall correctly, um, Pastor, Deacon, and Elder. Mm. Um, wow. And, and then he was one of these dudes that had, like, four initials. Um, you know, it's you know H H L B, you know James, you know Jamerson, um, and then the I believe he was a junior on that. Nice, yeah. Esquire.
1: Yes. Well, yeah, or or is it is it a? If you gave me a picture of the church building, I think I probably could could make some pretty fairly informed churches uh, choices on churches just on that.
2: Well, you know what's interesting about that, given that all these churches are, tend to be obsessed with their sanctuary. I'm envisioning a crossover between a dating app and like Redfin or uh-huh. one of these, um, you know, house buying apps, where you're just like taking the virtual oh, yeah. tour of the sanctuary before Hilarious. you go. Yeah. List listing all of the amenities.
0: Well, now you're talking about well, church hunters on HGTV. This is exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. There are things that you
3: can tell about a church. Like I, I feel like if I know what your communion wafers look like. Yes. If I know what your baptistry looks like, if yes. I know if I know what the robes uh, if there are robes, or if you know, uh, you know, if I know what the hair product of the youth pastor looks like. <laughs> like there's just a lot of things <laughs> that are just immediate, like little like I can click on this menu item and I already know exactly what I'm dealing with. Yeah, you do.
1: Where yeah, it's literally you walk in, nope. And just walk right out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> just, that's that's true. I if mean, I it's, see it's, the it's, clip art on your bulletin, I know. Yeah. Well, I, I have some potential names for our our app Please. here. So, um, you know, uh, I, I think there's there's the, the first I'm recommending is Body Life, one word, uh, but the L is capitalized and and life is spelled with a Y. Just well, so we've got that, that trademark ability. Be
0: a lot of disappointed um, downloaders, but that's okay. It's the numbers that count. Yeah. Well, going along with that, using a Bible reference that if you didn't
2: grow up in the church, you definitely wouldn't get and sounds like something else many parts. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That yeah. could that's right.
0: either be this, it could be the naughty thing, or it could be back to our dystopian future and you sell a kidney
2: yeah that's right that's right uh uh, but this one i I think really has legs to it churcher the word church followed Mm -hmm. by the letter r and a period okay yeah
0: my my best pitch for name and I, i do like i do like churcher and kind of a similar vibe um and this this admittedly would have a certain uh southern and midwestern uh protestant bent but potluck Oh, that's very good. Of course, spelled without any vowels, P-T-L-K. And also, I think no matter what we name it, I think I have the catch, the uh, kind of little tagline, which of course would be seeker friendly. Oh, that's very good. Yeah. Again, lots of meanings that that could have.
2: And you know what I love about that is uh, in in the spirit of unnecessarily putting churchy words uh, into things people already understand on a potluck, you don't swipe left or swipe right. You seek left or seek right. Oh, oh, oh that's, that's how you
1: do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, now I don't, I don't know about these, these uh, they, I, dating apps they have now, but like back when they, they used to do like video dating where you had like, You made, like, a little speech. Do they do that on these apps where you, like, talk about yourself and that kind of thing? Like, you get, like, to make a little commercial for yourself or something? Yeah. I don't believe they do
0: that on the dating apps, but being that we're dealing with church folk, I don't think we could stop the people from getting on this and doing that.
2: Glenn, if we want to have video on Churcher, then, well, we're just going to put video on Churcher. That's just how it's going to be.
1: Yeah, I I I think if you did that, a lot of people would out themselves as being bad options. And that would be helpful for everybody.
0: <laughs> in addition to a great name, in addition to uh, some, you know, some of these get to know you questions and some red flags, we as the people who are putting this app together do need to uh, try to uh, succeed with some guidelines where, as I understand it, I've never used one myself, but I, I understand the tropes of the dating apps. So again, you got the guy holding the fish. Uh, I think you can't have a picture of like eight different sanctuaries and you can't tell which one is the church. Yeah. This one you're going to click on. Yeah. So we can yeah. definitely do without that. I think catfishing might be a real issue. Like sure. just a guy who ha- just a guy who has a picture of C.S. Lewis and hopes no one notices yeah. and like yeah, yeah, yeah. get in there. So I think there's some things we're going to have to be on the lookout for. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, that's that's good. That's good.
0: Well, I think we nailed it. I think, uh, yep. I think as ever, this is incredibly stupid and goofy, but no worse than what the people who are actually in charge are trying. So, <laughs> and I, I will close this out with, uh, one alternate idea. You know, we mentioned the, the, the straight for dating apps, Glenn mentioned the, the video dating. I'm going to take us to a credulous option. And I think, you know, if the gospel coalition or Christianity today had a casual encounters section. Mm, and you put a little ad, and if you're going through that town you just kind of you know no one expects anything but it could happen i just i just think these are all things that could help the people once we're all going back to church and looking for you know some options it's all about options really
1: baptist curious
0: absolutely and on that note we will declare emergency off If you're needing a little extra uh, worship in your life and don't have the app downloaded quite yet, you can, of course, join us every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time, facebook.com slash bridgechicago for our Bridge Live service. And if you can't catch it live wherever you are in the world, it is archived on our Facebook page. You can check that out whenever is convenient for you. We certainly do hope you'll join us. We also hope you will check out Bridgebox, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Only $8 a month. Get some goodness into your inbox the first of every month. And check that out again at MissionUSA.com Bridgebox. We're going to jump to our first question here. If you hang out with this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this, or you can scroll down in your episode description and find the links there. Our first question comes into our email address, and it says, I'm going to another country to meet with a couple that works under a missions organization to see if I want to intern with them. I had a few really tough challenges with Christian leadership in the past while on another missions trip. I was having some issues and went to the people in charge. I felt like they were trying to toss me to someone else instead of dealing with it properly, and it left a bitterness in my heart. I'm preparing for my trip, and I've had a couple of good conversations over video chat with these people, but there have been a couple of red flags with them that make me feel more anxious than excited about the trip. I have a huge heart to serve the people in this particular part of the world for a long time now, and have been hoping and looking forward to going back at some point, and now the opportunity is here, and I'm feeling worried. I want to go into this trip with humility and openness, openness, especially towards these people who I don't really know yet, but trust is hard for me since what happened in the past. And I also want to keep up some barriers. So a a great question. We are super glad you, you wrote in and obviously we're going to speak to your specific situation, but I think there's a lot of good stuff going on here with, uh, with, with leadership, with healing, with uh, discernment and a lot, a lot of great stuff to, to get into here. And Glenn, where would we start it off?
1: Well, actually, I, uh, it's a great question you're asking here and an important one. And I want to start real big picture with, uh, with a point that you may not be looking at here, and that is that, I mean, a good setup for doing ministry is hugely important. Mm. Uh, I think there's a big myth that good ministry happens when super talented people who have gifts that are amazing— do things that are amazing, and then amazing ministry happens. Uh, and that is not at all how that happens. Uh, generally, good ministry happens when you have a really good setup that is very intentionally developed. Uh, so, if you look at the ministry that we do, we maximize our our impact by making the setup as good as it can possibly be. Mm. And by setup, I mean where are we meeting, what temperature is the room, what's the lighting situation, it, is the microphone working right, do we have the right seating configuration, everything, just setting it up so it's it's in a position to succeed. Uh, when you're entering someone else's ministry setup, if they have it set up poorly, you succeeding, the chances of you succeeding has gone way, way, way down. So it's a, it's a very smart and good and important thing. It's worth your attention, worth your focus on getting a good setup. So if you're saying to yourself, ah, maybe I should just let it go and kind of go with the flow, that's not at all how I would approach it. I, I, I would want to have a good setup, no question about it. That's not for my comfort, you understand. That's so that I can do good ministry, uh, which kind of leads us into the discomfort that you're feeling here and i think the question you want to ask is can you draw a clear line between what part of this is internal for you versus external the external setup of the of the you know ministry situation here uh you it sounds to me like you've got you know as you say some betterness. uh you've got you know just it, it was a bad setup and you were kind of burned by that uh you come by that honestly and and you know, certainly you have our sympathy. Some of us have certainly been there on that before, but we don't want to take that into the new situation and say, okay, you have to answer the way these other people were operating. We don't want to take, you know, suspicion and, and that bitterness into the new situation. So we want to divide that and draw that line. I need to deal with a part of this that is me and my own past and my own experience but then i I want to on the other side, look at I have legit concerns not based on my past experiences but based on the present setup that's going on here, and I want to be able to speak about that and and have those concerns addressed uh I think once you get to that point, it's about recognizing that repressing things. repressing concerns that you have is not good for you Mm. and it's not honoring to them. Mm. Uh, I don't want people in my operation sitting around having bitterness or suspicions or harboring all kinds of negative whatever. So I'd rather have them open their mouth and say, "Uh, what's the deal with this? And I can give them an explanation. They can like it. They can not like it. And that part's okay too. Uh, But you don't you don't show me respect by uh, resenting or being insecure or whatever behind my back and not vocalizing it. Uh, If it's if it's you, you need to deal with you. If it's them, you need to be able to to say, this looks a little funny to me. Can you tell me a little more about it? And you might be pleasantly surprised by the response.
0: That's a very, very sharp place to start. And Jed, where would we pick things up from there? Well, I think one of the things that
2: we want to begin with, you used the word, I want to find the exact word that you used. You said, I want to keep up some barriers. Let's use a slightly different word, and that word is boundaries. Um, Boundaries are good, and they are good in all relationships, which includes in professional ministry ones. I think one of the things that can happen— Uh, And, and, you know, it's interesting. So I I used to work uh, a thousand years ago in the tech startup world, Um, and I think in a weird way that there can be some overlap between the tech startup world and uh, ministry jobs where – the kind of boundaries that you would expect to be there in like a corporate America job. Like you just, you know, you go to the office Monday through Friday and, you know, we, we, we all recognize that there are aspects of ourselves that we don't really get into because it's nobody else's business. It's weird, but in, in, you know, kind of the startup world and in some ministry situations, there can be kind of an, an odd invasion of privacy thing that goes on. We, we just kind of expect that we, you know, all have overbearing access to one another's lives and that's not healthy for anybody. Um, whether you're in a tech startup or you work for a youth ministry or you work for a church, it makes no difference. Boundaries are good in all relationships, including professional ones, including professional ministry ones. And I think that it's worth you thinking through what kind of boundaries do you want to have in your professional relationships. If, if you're looking to work vocationally in ministry— uh, that's that's a really good thing for you to to think through. Let me give you one example of of a, a good boundary that that has come up historically. Um, is uh, there are uh, parachurch ministries uh, who when and so like a uh, youth for Christ would be an example of this, where when people join them, their boss will explain, "I am not your pastor. I am your boss. Um, you need to have a pastor and you need to have a church." But that pastor can't be me because I am your boss. That's actually, in, in most cases, a healthy, good relational boundary in a professional ministry context is recognizing that one person can't be all things to all people. And so we, we need to be clear on what this relationship is and this relationship isn't. And again, I think you, you thinking through um, uh, what boundaries you want in your professional relationships is a good thing. One more thing that I would want to add is if you are looking at a particular opportunity and it's just kind of giving you a weird vibe and a bit of the old, oh, I'm not sure about this, one of the things that I want to encourage you to look at is that in most areas, I know this is true in Chicago and I know it's true in Miami, and that makes me suspect that it must be at least a little true in most places, is there are a lot more ways to serve the Lord in that geographical area than you might think, like a lot more. In Chicago alone, man, there are hundreds and hundreds of churches that are trying to serve the Lord in the context of Chicago. There are many, many homeless shelters. There are uh, all kinds of relief agencies. There are ministry. There are, you know, several prison ministries in Chicago alone that that uh, operate Um, There are all kinds of non-faith-based organizations that still do great work, and many of the people involved in them are obviously motivated by a love for the Lord. Um, uh, The Bible says that we are one body with many parts, and part of the takeaway is that one part of that support structure is not more or less important than the other parts. Mm. So if you, for example, felt a call that you really wanted to serve the least of these in Chicago— I I mean we could refer you to dozens and dozens of uh, organizations and institutions where you could do that in Chicago that are all cool and legit and do great stuff. It's different pieces of of the puzzle but it's it's all good stuff. I imagine that's got to be at least a little bit true in in the place that you feel called to serve. So one of the takeaways is if there's a particular opportunity that you're looking at and you're like, I'm not sure this is exactly what I want, I'm not sure this is exactly the right fit for me, I've thought through my professional boundaries and I'm not sure that they are are down with that, I bet there are other opportunities you could look at. And, um, you know, if you come against a situation where you're like, I've done all the research and there's just nothing else out there, shoot us an email. But I'd encourage you to to, to do some, some digging and some Googling and some talking and just see Are there other opportunities that are in the same place where I feel called to, but that might be a little bit better fit for me?
0: Another excellent, excellent layer added onto this. And Lee, I think both Glenn and Jed have given us a lot of really good uh, stuff here. And the one thing that maybe left here is interacting with the people who we're dealing with here. And what are some tips on some ways to do that in a healthy and effective way?
3: Yeah. You, you, as Matt said, you've, you've heard a lot of really great stuff and this is a great question. And, and, and I'm glad that you're looking at this uh, situation that you care about with, you know, with um, a, an eye for trying to find wisdom and and an eye for subtlety and nuance in in the middle of it. That's all really, really important. Um, One of the things that I, that I heard Jed pointing you toward at the end of his response that I want to kind of tag along with as I answer particularly Matt's question, is that you don't have to settle. And that's a really important thing for you to understand, that the Lord can be calling you to something, and he may have been calling you to something for a long time in a particular place with a particular group of people, but you don't have to settle for something that feels hinky. Now, that may be, um, you know, one way of handling that may be uh, exactly what Jed's saying, which is go to a different organization. But another way of handling that is to approach the people that you may be working with in this organization and to say the words to them that you said to us. Tell them about the fact that you have been burned in in situations before. Um, we, We give this kind of advice a lot on this show. A lot of times it's in relationship stuff and romantic relationship or friendship relationship or roommate relationships and stuff. People will ask us a question and we'll say, hey, the first thing you need to do is all of that stuff that you expressed really well to us, you need to have that conversation with that person. And there's a way to do this where you respectfully say, I am... You know, this may be my this may be some of my own experiences and issues. This may be some of my own um, kind of baggage from the things that have happened to me. But I would love for us to set up a situation of just really, really clear expectations and really, really clear um, boundaries and yep. Uh, yep. ways to ways to talk about evaluations, all that kind of stuff, real quick. Um, so here at Christ Community in in Oak Ridge we just hired uh, a a new uh person for our ministry team full time and the the thing that the the reason i tell you this story uh is that um an important piece of it is the guy that we hired is somebody that i have been very close to for many many years and you would assume or people might assume that the way that works is well, we just hire him. He's a good buddy. We're not going to really talk about the ins and outs. We're just going to bring him onto the team, and we're just going to scoot into day one. Um, But I had so much respect when this dude beat me to a conversation of saying, hey, before anything starts, I want us to have a very – Clear conversation about who I report to, what my daily deliverables are, what my yep. job description is. I want to have yep. the whole thing lined out. I want to talk about when we're going to do evaluations. I want to talk about the way we do evaluations. This was really astute of this brother. Yep. I mean yep. – We've been extremely close friends for a long time. No kidding. I was the best man at this guy's wedding. But, like, regardless of our relationship, he wants to protect himself and his family. He wants to protect our organization. He wants to protect our friendship by setting up a clear, um, uh, just a clear system of how are we going to deal with these things. I appreciated that. Uh, conversation so much. It was already one I was planning to having, ha, planning on having from the other direction. But he began it. We had it that way. We've had more conversations since then. I did not feel disrespected in that. That did not feel like an infringement upon our friendship and our long history. Anything like that. That felt like a that felt like a very honorable thing. Where somebody says he was basically saying, "I want this to work well," and that's what I heard. And I was able to say to him, I also want this to work well. Let's deal with this as well as we can. I, I like what, um, I think it was Glenn that said at the end of his response, if you if you have this conversation straight up, you may be surprised at how well they handle it. That's what we're going to be praying for as we get off of this call tonight, whenever we finish the show. But want to let you know that that's what we're praying for, that if you have the conversation you had with us, with them, that you'll be surprised with... Uh, the, the feeling of respect that you're giving their organization, their ministry, all of it, that we're all saying, we're all stacking hands and saying, we want this to go well. I had a little hinky feeling from something that's happened with me in the past. I don't assume that you guys are that way, but I would love to have a really clear system of, of expectations, deliverables, um, measurement, all of those things. That is not a bad thing. It's a very good thing. It's something that protects you. It protects them. It protects their work. And it, exactly as Jed said, if at the end of that you don't feel satisfied, then let's start praying about different opportunities in that same place. Big key over this whole thing: the Lord can be calling you there, but you do not need to settle into a situation where you don't feel, uh, where you don't feel secure, and you don't feel like you have a clear, uh, clear boundaries, clear expectations, clear ways to succeed.
0: That's absolutely right. I would I would tack a couple of things on on exactly that point Lee is making there about settling, because as Jed mentioned, and it's very, very much worth pointing out again, uh, particularly around ministries, there can be a a real blurring of lines where we're we're co workers and we're friends and we're kind of a church body, and there's one guy who's in charge of that, and his title isn't pastor, but you know, the he kind of is and a lot of that can get very, very cross, cross-wired. And the thing about this is, at some point, you are going to have a job interview here. This is not, mm. You don't interview to become, going back to the church swiping thing, most of the time you don't actually interview to become part of a faith community. That's a little less formal. You do interview to have a job. And the thing about a job interview is it should be two ways. You, the, the employer is figuring out if they want to give you this opportunity, and you are figuring out if you want to work for them. And yeah. you have to go yeah. into that with the confidence of knowing that you have uh, skills and you have stuff that you're going to bring to the table here. This is not them doing you a favor and letting you live out a, a dream out of the goodness of their heart. This is a mi- mutually beneficial relationship that you both get to have things you get out of and expect out of. That's totally reasonable, totally professional. It tacks on exactly what Lee was saying there. The other thing about this is if you have a heart for a place and just. The call of your inner inner being is to live there. That's that's awesome. Just because you're Christian doesn't mean you have to be a missionary there. Yep. Like that may be the thing you're being called to do. That's awesome. You know, we we support that. We all know missionaries, love missionaries, support them. But if you, you know, visited Brazil in college and just really love Brazil and want to live there, you could get a job there. You could go through the normal visa process and whatever most countries and live there and be part of a church there and do some of that stuff we're talking about here. Just because you're American and you want to live somewhere else, that doesn't mean you have to be a missionary. That is not the only context under which you can live in another country that you want to live in. Again, I'm not saying you you should or shouldn't. I don't know that that's between you and the Lord, but these are all some things to think about when you look at exactly as Lisa said, not settling for something because you've convinced it yourself it's the only option you have to get something you want. That's not, Normally a thing that leads to good decision-making. That's not what we want for you. We're going to move on to our second question here. It came into our email address and says, Dear say that, I don't know where to start. I want a divorce. I don't want to want a divorce. I want to take that option off the table, but I'm failing. My partner's been on vacation for the past few days, and if they called me and told me they were moving to another city and not coming back, I think my response would be, Okay, good for you. I love you. Thank you for the last several years, and that would be it. The idea of being alone is a nice one. I know that's not unusual, and of course, married people need space and appreciate breaks. But it feels like something more than that. My partner is not my favorite person to talk to, or spend time with, or share my feelings with, or life with. I've tried. We've tried to be more open, talk more, appreciate the other more. We do not make a good team. I've been praying, and I keep hearing divorce. That's what I feel like I'm supposed to do and I feel so so silly because that can't be right, can it? So I keep asking God why and explain, and the answer doesn't change. How does this make sense? But I just don't know what to do. Forgive myself for wanting a divorce because it's a normal human part of marriage, because it feels more dramatic than it actually is, because I'm emotionally exhausted from spinning this around in my head pointlessly for months. Any advice would be appreciated. So again, we... We put the whole thing about big questions in our tagline some a decade ago, and you guys have definitely taken us up on that many, many times, which we super duper appreciate. And it's, it's a great question. I will, I will start us out by setting this ground, which I know all my co-hosts will agree with me, is we, we cannot and are not interested in telling you whether or not you should get a divorce. We're guys on a podcast. That's not our place. That's not our role. That's not advice we would give on this podcast. So we want to talk you through the, the emotional stuff you're feeling. We're going to give you some, some tips for dealing with this, for getting to a place where you can make the right decision without uh, barriers of obligation or fear or guilt getting in the way. And with that in mind, Jed, where would we start off?
2: Well, the first thing is I'm sorry that you're going through a rough time. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and all of us are. We're, we're sorry that, that your marriage is not what you want it to be and it's not in a place that you feel good about it. And to that end, uh, the the thing I think more than anything else that I want you to know that I want you to hear me say is, it's 100% okay for you to declare this is not working for me. Let me say that again. It is 100% okay for you to declare this is not working for me. Yep. Whatever we do about it, there's about a thousand different things we could do after we declare that, but the declaring of it for sure, 100% is okay. And I want to be clear that it's okay for you to declare that to yourself. It's okay for you to declare that to a counselor. And it's also okay for you to declare that to your partner, Mm -hmm. to be able to say this holistically, whatever this is, is not working for me. Again, there's about a thousand variations on, on what could or might come next after that. But if we won't admit that if we won't declare that it's going to be pretty hard to move forward it's going to be pretty hard to even to look boldly at what our options might be to that end um you know i mentioned it's okay to declare that to yourself and and to a counselor have you talked to a marriage counselor because this is kind of why marriage counselors exist is to to get an outside perspective that can you know, take a look at, at what you guys are dealing with and, and help you figure out what your options might be. Um, if you haven't talked to a marriage counselor and, and no judgment here, if you haven't talked to a marriage counselor, I think it's worth looking at why not. Uh, is that because it just didn't occur to you? Uh, is that because you feel embarrassed? Is that because your partner wouldn't agree to it? Is that a concern about expense? Um, but, I think for people generally that are in the situation in which you find yourselves, that would be one of the key steps they would want to take. And so um, have you done that? And and if not, why not? And I think that would really be worth thinking through. Um, and one thing I I do want to add to that, that that's very, very important is you are under no obligation to talk to a marriage counselor that advertises that they are a Christian counselor or a Bible based counselor. Yeah. You can you can just talk to a marriage counselor or marriage counselor. That is perfectly fine. Um but I, I have two more thoughts that I want to pass on to you. I want you to to think about. One of the things, and and I could be wrong, but it 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 certainly is the vibe that I get as I read your note is it seems like there's an awful lot of self-condemnation going on in your message. There's yeah awful lot of beating up on yourself there's an awful lot of guilt there's a lot of shame there's a lot of of judging on yourself and here's here's what i want us to to think about doing is what happens if we just suspend that even for a few minutes like if you could articulate what you want and don't want for the next 5 years of your life but free entirely from self-judgment for 15 minutes and i think you should write it down Mm. I think you, I think you should pray it through. I think you should talk to a counselor about it, but I think so that you have space to to, to think, I think in a journal that's private to you, I think you should write down with no self judgment, putting all of that on pause as much as possible for a few minutes. Here's what I think I want. And here's what I think I don't want. Forgetting entirely about should, no should, should is canceled for 15 minutes. We're in a should free zone. Just here's, here's what I want. And here's what I don't want. Now, here's a second thought experiment that goes right along with it or your partner, you said, is on some form of vacation right now. Um, The thought experiment is I want you to imagine that they are abducted by the Martians. They have just vanished like Enoch from the face of the earth. So we just don't have to worry about them and we don't have to worry about a divorce and they're just gone. Here's the thought experiment. What then? What do you what do you want to do with your life? If if marriage and divorce in this relationship just in an instant, it was just taken and you just don't have to do anything with it. What do you want? Do you, to to reference Matt's answer to the last question, do you want to move to Brazil? Do you want to take up figure skating? Do you want to start a new business? Do you want to, um, you know, hike the Appalachian Trail? What What do you want to do? And I think that it's really, really important for you to start thinking through that because what you may find is that. Some of the things that you want to do uh, might be incompatible with, a, you know, a traditional Christian view of a marriage, but some of them might be entirely compatible. And yep. um, it's really super worth asking why you're not doing the things that would be totally compatible with um, a Christian marriage. So, I'll Give an example. If you said, you know, my husband's abducted by the Martians. I can do anything I want. There's no guilt. There's no shame. You know. I would want to. I'd want to learn to ride a motorcycle. Okay, there's nothing keeping you from learning to ride a motorcycle right now. Um, And and if you're in a relationship where another person is trying to control your behavior to an extent that is wildly inappropriate and telling you things you can and can't do, that may be giving us a hint of why we're not pleased with this marriage. You know. um, But the more that we can kind of get that stuff out, I think the more we can evaluate. Is this a marriage problem? Is this about me not giving myself permission to do the things that I want to do in life? All of us takes us back to where we started, and that is you declaring this is not working for me. Declaring it to yourself, declaring it in a counseling uh, environment, and again, declaring it to your partner. Um, To whatever extent, I get the sense that you want to do the right thing here. And as Matt pointed out, I don't know what the right thing is. Um, there's, I'm not sure that there is a blanket right thing, but to whatever extent you're going to do the right thing, given your situation that can only be discerned by you starting with the courage and the honesty to declare to yourself and others, this is not working for me.
0: That's absolutely right. And when you're thinking about those things you want, feel free to think big. Combine all of them. Maybe you want to hike the Appalachian Trail wearing ice skates, wearing your carnival outfit. There it is. I don't know why you'd want that. It seems like a very, very unpleasant way to do that. But we don't judge. The key is to feel free to go nuts, and that's all great stuff. And I think it's a wonderful place to to start off. And Lee, I'd love for you to pick us up there and pick more into this idea of giving yourself the the should free zone, because I think we all deal with folks when we're talking to them who feel that the right and Christian thing to do is to not acknowledge unpleasant or unchristian feeling options. There was a, hopefully this has died down, but we, we have privately commented on, there was a, a trend of several years ago in kind of Christian weddings to put in the vows that something along the lines of divorce isn't an option for us, which our, our comment was, yes, it is. (laughs) <laughs> it may not be the one you take, but it's an option. It certainly, yeah. certainly is. And I think there is, as Jed's pointing out, a real value, even if we don't take it, to exploring those maybe unseemly options, right?
3: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I, I You know, when when I read your note, and, and I want to come in on the exact same note as the, the thing we're all feeling, which is I, I'm so sorry that you're having a hard time. When I read your note, the phrase that stood out to me was, um, emotionally exhausted. Um, and the thing that I want to say on that is, man, when I'm feeling emotionally exhausted, I can't decide what I want for dinner, much less the most critical decision that you'll ever make in your life. You know, I mean, you're, you're, you're staring down the barrel of an unbelievably critical decision. And and you're emotionally exhausted. Um I I can't decide anything when I'm when when my feelings are tired. <laughs> um and by the way, not only are you dealing with a difficult thing in your specific situation, but this is coming at the end of maybe the most, most emotionally exhausting year any of us have ever had collectively at the same time. Hello. I mean, you wh- one thing that we need to do right now is, and I don't know when this episode drops, if your partner will be, if your spouse will be back home from that vacation or not, but I think one of the most critical things that we need to do is we need to ask, like right now, we're trying to ask the question, should I get a divorce? I think that we need to, to back up and ask a different question, which is, how can I get some emotional relief and get to a space where I can even think about making decisions? Um, how can I have a good day? This would be a really, really great avenue to explore. I I like, I like this direction from both Jed and Matt of the should free zone. The, um, you know, that I, I can't understand my situation until I, until I jettison this idea of, I know I'm bad for wanting something. We need to get rid of that. Um, we all have all kinds of thoughts all the time. Some of them might not be good, some of them might not be great, um, but we're not gonna get anywhere by immediately beating ourselves up about the nature of the thoughts that we're having. Um, We've got to start with, exactly as Jed's saying, acknowledging the things that we're going through. And then, because if you don't, you're going to stay in this place of emotional exhaustion. If you're emotionally exhausted, you're not going to have clarity you're not going to be able to hear from the lord we're not going to be able to work through any of the issues or do any of the work that would lead to like if you decide to stay together the work that it's going to take to to build a a good a good teamwork and all that kind of business but we've got to ask a more basic question which is what could i do today that would bring me some peace and some joy what if we started there and not like I don't have to answer the marriage question right now. I don't have to figure out what we're going to do with um, you know, staying married or not or anything like that. I, I definitely want to say I, there may be a part of this where it sounds like I'm disagreeing with Jed as far as the counselors. I'm not. I definitely think you should approach marriage counseling. I definitely think that is 100% on the table. What I'm talking about, though, is a more basic question based on the place where you are right now. Um, Is there a food you really want to eat today? I, I know that sounds trite because you're dealing with huge life questions, but entertain this for a second. Is there an album that you listen to that makes you happy? Is there a movie that you could watch 700 times and you would still love it just as much? I'm literally talking about putting on the most comfy clothes, watching your favorite movie and eating some ice cream or something like that. We need to deal with some of this emotional exhaustion because where from where I'm sitting and if and by the way if I was a, the past a pastor in your life and you came to talk to me about some of these issues it would be 7 million questions. That's, that's where we would start, is I would just want to do a lot of listening. I would just want to do a lot of listening. And some of that would be difficult and emotionally exhausting. And so what we need to do is we need to put some gas in the tank of the emotional state of where you are. Um, ask really basic, practical questions of how can I get some bandwidth emotionally today? I don't have to come up with the answer for this whole thing today. I don't have to solve all of the issues, but today, where can I find some peace? Where can I find some chill? Where can I get just a little bit of spaciousness so that I and 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 I'm not going to feel bad about that. You said, um, you know right now the idea of being alone feels like a great idea. Okay, then let's do some of that. let's Let's have some alone time, let's get some emotional space, and let's get a little bandwidth, a little bit of margin. Because right now, we're not in a place where any of these decisions can be made. Don't judge yourself on any of that. Let it be granular, practical stuff. But let's figure out right now, today, how to deal with some of this emotional exhaustion.
0: All great, great stuff there. And Glenn, where do we close this out?
1: Well, I think you, you've you heard two very, very good answers to this. Uh, and I agree 100% on, on both. And. And like these other fellows, I'm I'm not trying to talk you into or out of the actual marriage slash divorce thing. I'm not trying to take a side on that. We are we are looking at uh, your long term spiritual health. We're we're looking at your mental health, as as Lee was just addressing there. Uh, We want to get you in a good situation in the in the largest possible context here. Uh, So let's maybe. I think we're combining a theological crisis with a relationship crisis. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And and then there's a life crisis. So all of these things need to be in separate piles. Um. It, and so let's let's address the theological pile here. Uh, first and foremost, there the idea that a thing could could never be a thing the Lord could want does not that does not track you know god wants to call the shots and whatever he says that's what it is uh we get into this uh this mindset of sort of the bible reigns supreme and god has to pretty much follow what what's in there uh that's not how this works so so there's that um there is no way to write an instruction book that would apply in every conceivable situation. If you were in a physically Mm -hmm. abusive situation, we would be telling you to get a divorce and to not see this person and not be where this person is. So, you know, it's not as if it's an inconceivable concept that the Lord would come and tell you that. But then behind that, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about asking the lord why but there's not as clear of an answer there yet. Uh and that's that's fair. I mean, it's it's tough to hear the lord's voice in something that's this deep of an emotional uh struggle. But the why question is the all-consuming thing. Uh there are times where I go to the lord and I say I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And the lord says, "Okay, you can have it." And then I think Really? But, but that's a bad idea, right? And they say, yeah, it's a terrible idea. But you know, if you want it that bad, you're gonna do it anyway. So, you know, if you want my permission to do something to to make the situation worse, I'll give it to you if that's what you if that's what you're begging for, but why are you begging for that? Now we're having a conversation. Now now we're now we're getting to, to what we need to be looking at here. That's what should be happening between you and the Lord is sorting this out, but you putting God into a box and saying He can't, He He can only say these things, He can't say these other things. Uh, he understands this part, but He wouldn't understand this other part. No, that you know, all the stuff that that uh, Jeb was talking about a, a should free zone. That's it, it's about taking God out of the box that you've got him in and letting him having a living, breathing, intimate conversation with you and uh and to have some back and forth to to say wrong things that you want. You know, I want I know this is wrong, but I want this thing. And tomorrow I might want something else. So I'm not even committed to this wrong thing that I want. Th- that's a great place to start. That that this is good quality prayer stuff here. Because now we're 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 peeling away layers here, and I th- I think that's really important. Uh, and here's another thing on the the theology of this, and, and this really, man, I, I I want people to get a hold of this. Basically, a hundred percent of the time, I've talked to people who have troubled marriages. They have broken every part of their marriage vows already. They do not. They they, they are not in a state where they uh, are putting the other person first. They are not in a state where they are respecting. The vows have been broken. This is the relationship has not been nurtured properly. On and on and on. So the difference between a marriage that is broken to the point where the vows are not being kept and a divorce, theologically, is one I struggle to understand why one's a big deal, one's not. Uh, So many times, like, well, we can't get a divorce. Why not? Well, that would be a sin. Dude, this whole relationship is a giant pile of sin. you're, you're, You're just hurting each other all day, every day. That's sinful. I mean, you know, uh, uh, so the, we, pretending that one's a virtue, we're we're punishing each other uh, with all this negativity, but we're staying married, so that's righteous. And I, I don't get that. And then you say divorce is a sin, and that would be unrighteous. Recognize if, if if this is broken and messed up, there isn't a lot of righteousness going on here, and that's okay. We can start from from a low point. As long as we have two people working on it, and uh, we may or may not have that here, and as long as we're doing everything we can uh, to sort of chase down every avenue, exactly as Judd's saying, going to counseling if you have it, and so on and so forth, trying different counselors, uh, all of those kinds of things. But I think the key for you is put these things in separate piles. Free up this theological box that you're in Give yourself permission, as the, these other fellows are telling you about, to, to own the struggles that you have and to, to decide that you come by them honestly, to deal with the frustration that you have, and then to deal with the, the another pile of right now you are just overloaded and overwhelmed. But put these in separate boxes and give yourself time and permission to feel what you're feeling.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. All great stuff from all these guys. There's one thing I want to make sure— we don't lose in all the really, really good information they gave you. And that's that, I think at some point in there, Jed implied that Enoch was abducted by Martians. Yeah, yeah it's, mm. it's a reading of the text, and I think that's, it's a reasonable reading. I absolutely, I just, when we get those nuggets, I don't want us to, uh, to, to let them go by, and I look forward to a future emergency in which we pitch the ancient aliens, biblical edition. I think it's going to be a whole what thing. They don't want you to know. That's right. We're going to move on to our final question here. It came in and says, how do I keep patience going? I feel like I've done pretty well the last year, not doing anything rash or foolish, but with the finish line in sight, I feel more and more temptation to just say, screw it. How do I hold on? And another wonderful question. And Lee, where'd we start with this?
3: Well, uh, I hate being patient, so we can start there um If you hate it, I hate it with you. I think it's the worst. <laughs> I think being patient is the worst. I was thinking about this and and uh and there's a there's a thing to me that that is related to what I want to say to you on this that has to do with food, right so um you know, the first thing that happened to me during the pandemic was. I, you know uh when the pandemic started, I got sad, and the way that I coped with my sadness was that I got drive through from a uh from a restaurant that is very bad for me f- physically every day like ev- like every day and and when I say every day, I don't mean like sort of every day I mean like I went there every day because uh in the state of my sadness, it's what my lizard brain wanted to do was just eat this food you'll it will make you happy and it just made me feel terrible and i just went there every single day and i think that one thing that happens to us when we know that we have before us a healthy decision and an unhealthy decision it's not that the unhealthy decision is so much better it's typically that it's just easier it's just kind of the path mm. of least resistance it it just it's the thing that would be the easiest thing to do um the my my 15-year-old daughter has figured out that um she's a she's very good at cooking and baking and all of these kinds of things and she figured out one day that she wanted funnel cake which if you if there are listeners especially international listeners if you don't know what funnel cake is um I I'm so sorry that your culture has not uh shown this to you yet but my daughter has figured out oh I can just make funnel cake at the house. We don't have to go to the amusement park or to the the county fair. I can just make it. And resisting the funnel cake has become one of the struggles of my life because <laughs> mm-hmm. I know that it's just my lizard brain that wants to eat all the funnel cake and I know it's going to make me feel terrible later. But and it's just it would just be so easy to just smash on this funnel cake. It it's not that it it's not that it's going to make me feel good. It's not that it's good for me. It's just the easiest thing to do, man. It's just, it, it's just the path of least resistance. I tell you those stupid eating examples as a way to say, I think that one thing that we need to look for here is how do we make whatever patience would be, whatever the thing that, you're, that you would have to hold on and wait for, that you know is going to be better, how can we make that a get-to? Because I think that what happens is when we give in to the thing that we've been holding out on and waiting to not do or whatever, it's just, it's not that it's better. It's not that it's going to pay out. It's not even that it's going to work or fulfill the things it's promising us. It's just the easiest possible thing to do. And after we've been holding on for a while, nothing seems like a better thing than just easy. Easy would be great. Now would be wonderful. Being patient and waiting sucks. We don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And so, the thing that I want us to—I want to encourage you to do—is to put some creative energy into whatever the thing that you're having to patiently hold on for. How can we make that as good as possible? How can we make that as appealing as possible? As a as a get to. Not that I have to. I I want this thing but i have to be patient but like hey i could i could go for this easy thing but i want to be patient here because the thing i'm holding out for is so much better and it's so much better for these reasons how can we turn up that high value of the get to aspect of being patient being patient sucks but the finish line the payout the thing that we're holding on for Health and goodness is so much better. How do we put some creative energy into understanding the get-to nature of being patient? Because the thing that we want to give into, we know it's not good. We know principally it's just easy. So I would suggest, and, and and if you want to hit us back with a follow-up so we know exactly what we're dealing with, that we can help you come up with some strategies for this, what we want to do is put some creative energy into turning the patience payout into a get to, not into a have to.
0: I think it's a great place to start this off. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to pick us up there because I think related to exactly what Elise's talking about there is I think a lot of us and a lot of folks have a misconception about momentum in these kind of things that well, I've been patient for, you know, 13 months, so month 14 should be the easiest one so far. And that's really not the way it works as a
1: no, that's a it's a great way of putting it because I I think you, part of what you're pointing to there is the idea of sort of how do we characterize it to ourselves, and you know it, I think part of what Lee is trying to point out here is we've we've all been a little bit of a mess, and then sometimes a lot of a mess, uh, but we've all also been gritting our teeth. Uh, quite a bit as well and, and hanging on in there. So when you see the, the finish line approaching the hanging on in there starts to, to, to you, 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 you're sort of letting down your guard on that. And then the being a mess part that always was there is kind of coming out a little more. Uh, And we all feel the exact same way. You're, you're not alone in that at all. Uh, but for all these reasons, the, the last mile is always the biggest challenge. Uh, it, as as Matt was pointing out, that we, you know we 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 talk about momentum. We talk about uh, you know uh, I I've been lying and telling everybody I'm doing great for however many months. So you know I I must have a lot of momentum behind that. But that's that's actually not how this stuff works. Every day we have to get up and make decisions to deal with temptation. Every day we have to get up and and manage that some days we kick butt some days we get our butts kicked that's that's how life works uh but it is true that that uh that last mile is the big uh, temptation it's the big t- tough challenge um a uh, A mentor of mine many years ago uh, uh, uh coined to me i'm sure it wasn't original to him you know good preachers steal all the time. But uh, the acronym he quoted to me was "flap," finish like a pro. Uh, Flap, and uh, he said, "Whatever you do, um, that last mile needs to be your best mile. You want to have something in that tank because the intention is that last uh, stretch. There, you put on an extra kick. You you go even harder in that last." little bit. That's the spirit that I think we all need to take a hold of, is that idea of, I want to finish like a pro. I want to finish strong. Even if I was a mess the whole way through, let me finish strong now. Because, you know, that's kind of, you know, you end on an upstroke, that's just what you remember about the whole experience. I think that's a great uh, way to approach it. But here is what I think is the big key here, strategically speaking, is to look at uh, as you put it, the finish line is in sight. Now, I assume you're talking about pandemic stuff, but the, all of this applies to any kind of long-term uh, tough challenge, and then you're, you know, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. That might be, you know, getting a degree in school or, you know, uh, getting to the end of a um, long engagement and getting married, you know, where you could see that that better day approaching. The key thing is to really define what the finish line is. That sounds, you know, that sounds crazy. You can say, well, if I'm trying to get a degree, it's when I have the diploma. But is it when you have the diploma or is it when you get the job or is it when you pay off the school debt or is it when you get the promotion and, you know, it's funny how that that finish line is hard to define. Yeah. Define what changes when you cross that finish line. Uh, if it's a marriage thing, and you know, I'm, uh, here's what it is on an engagement. Here's how it changes when we're married. If it's school stuff, what changes? If it's pandemic stuff, what changes on the other side of it? This, what does it look like? What do I do? How do I act? How should I conceive of that situation? Because the the real mistake is not finishing poorly; it's failing to define when you are actually finished, mm. and what, and, and, and failing to shift that gear into the next thing.
0: That's all great stuff. And Jed, where would we close this out?
2: Uh, man, I think you've you've already heard the full deal. So I'll just add a couple of, of quick things. Um, one thing that that is true for me, you know, both dealing with both literal and figurative finish lines is deal with the next five minutes in front of you. Um, I I think one of the things that tends to be a challenge uh, for, for me in my life is there's this weird period of time where yes, you can uh, you, as you put it, the finish line is in sight, but that doesn't actually mean that you're right on top of it either. Um, you can, you can see things that are still farther away than you want them to be. Um, and, um, it's, it is easy for that to play mind games with you. So again, for, for me, I think there's a lot of value in deal with the next five minutes in front of you. And then at the end of that five minutes, deal with the next five minutes after that, it will eventually add up to you crossing, whether it's a literal or a figurative finish line, it, it will add up to that. But we're going to get there five minutes at a time. You know, if you've um, again, whether it's, you know, you're waiting to get married or you're, you're working on a degree or or you're literally running a race. Um, you don't have as much ability to, to move up that timeline as you might think you do. And I think that's that's one of the things that, again, that'll that'll really mess, at least for me, a mess with your head. So deal with the next five minutes in front of you. The other thing that goes right along with what these fellows have been telling you that I, I wholeheartedly agree with is make the finish line real, be actively working on the preparatory steps for what happens when you've crossed it. Yeah. So l- let's, let's give a real life example here for a second. You know, suppose that you're, you know, dating and then you're engaged and you're, you know, maybe you've been waiting to get married and because of COVID you had to to postpone things and it's, and it's a whole thing. All right. Well, one of the things that happens when you get married, I hope for you, is that you're, you and your spouse will go on some form of honeymoon. Okay, you don't wait till you're married to plan the honeymoon. Mm-hmm. You, you don't wait to that point and then you're talking to travel agents. You, sh- you can actually, and you should, be planning and working on that now. You are making the finish line real now, you are preparing now for a thing that you will experience and enjoy later. And I think, just so you know, I think that leaning into that will help a lot more with, as you put it, keeping patience going than you might imagine. I think there's a huge difference between active waiting and passive waiting. Waiting actively where we are working on things and we are making preparations and we are getting things ready so that when we cross whatever the finish line is, we can, you know, uh, uh, do that next thing and we know that we're going to be ready for it. I think mentally and emotionally, that's a lot easier to deal with than passive waiting where I guess there's just nothing I can do. I'm just sitting around thinking about the fact that I'm not doing what I want to be doing and I'm not where I want to be. And. Um, the, the next hour is going to look exactly like the last hour because, um, I guess we'll get there eventually, but nobody really knows, man, that's so much harder to deal with in most situations. You can find a way to wait actively, whether that's dealing with pandemic stuff or dealing with dating stuff or, or, or dealing with literal running. Um, there, there is a way to make the finish line real, to actively prepare for it. Um, which, again, is going to give you something to look forward to, but it's also going to make that waiting process and that patience process so much better. Hey, man, we believe in you. Keep your head up. Don't give up. You can do this.
0: That is all great stuff. I will will disagree on one small thing, which is I did wait to book my honeymoon until we were married because I don't believe in premarital reservation. Oh! (laughs) Putting that out there. All great stuff from these guys on that and every question we've had tonight. Remember you have a question, you can send it to us at say that podcast at dot thebridgechicago.tumblr.com slash ask if you want to keep that totally anonymous. You can also join us every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time or whenever you want to because all the videos are saved. Facebook.com slash thebridgechicago <coughs> for our bridge live service. And check us out at missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Those are all the plugs. We're going to tell out the song this week. This song is like many of our Bridge Worship songs available on Spotify. It holds on with the theme of our last question. This is a song by Jed recorded live at the bridge many years ago called help me to wait. Yeah. yeah with that thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it.
1: To say that podcast, we're glad you swiped this on what we assume is your podcast dating app. We're looking for something long-term and no scrub. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Let me get you all to Put your hands together for me.
4: away and not to fall help me to stay while you make me strong until the day sing us with me. God, you tell me. God, you tell me there's a purpose that you've written for my life. And you tell me that it's perfect when it's your will and your time. But I am living with me now God I do not want a blessing that I am not ready for cause I've seen the masses I make a million times before but you have something better every single time and you will see me through this till you make it mine your heads, let's pray. Lord Jesus, every single one of us gets lonely. The, the biggest, toughest, strongest person in this room gets lonely. Uh, and Lord, we know you understand. We know you get that. We need your strength, Lord, not just to not give in to temptation in that moment. We need your strength to keep walking.